Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. I want to share a word this morning from uh, the 21st chapter of Isaiah. As you find the place, Isaiah 11 and 12 in the New International Version, Isaiah 21 verses 11 through 12 is the uh, focus this morning. I'm reading the New International Version, an oracle concerning Duma. Someone calls to me from C.I.R., Watchman, what is left of the night? Watchman, what is left of the night? The watchman replies, morning is coming, but also the night. If you would ask, then ask, and come back yet again. Amen? May the Lord bless his word. I want to preach a little while from this text. It's larger context in the canonical scripture. I want to lift the thought, making it through the night. I want to talk about making it through the night. Nestled in the interior of a devotional reading was the phrase, the dark moments of our lives. The author's inference was that God uses our difficulties, our struggles, and our challenges to accomplish his purposes in and through us and to perfect our faith. In the Bible, trials and tribulations are often associated metaphorically or symbolically with darkness or with the night. The experience and endurance of these seasons, these night seasons, come only to make us strong. Uh, The phrase, dark night of the soul, has a rich legacy in the history of the church. It is the title of a poem written by a 16th century Spanish poet and Catholic priest, St. John of the Cross. The poem, Dark Night of the Soul, narrates the journey of the soul from its bodily home to its union with God. The journey occurs during the night, which represents the hardships and difficulties the soul meets in the world en route to the light of the union with the Creator. Rather than being the source of devastation and despair, the dark night of the soul becomes a blessing in disguise that deepens one's relationship with God. In the poem, the author expresses this 
this thought, this principle quite eloquently. He says, O night that guided me, O night more lovely than the dawn, O night that joined beloved with lover, lover transformed in the beloved. Upon my flowery breast kept holy for himself alone, there he stays sleeping, and I caressed him in the fanning of the cedars made a breeze. Someone here today may be experiencing a dark night. The truth of the matter is that sooner or later in life, everyone becomes a candidate for what I call the spiritual eclipse of the soul. A season of darkness and desolation that disrupts and distorts the light of the sun, not the S-U-N, but the S-O-N. I think this is what the songwriter, the hymnist had in mind. In that great hymn, The Solid Rock, there is this line, when darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. The Edomites certainly were experiencing night and to their situation, the prophet Isaiah spoke a word in due season. The prophetic pronouncement occurs in a chapter that includes also prophecies against Babylon and Arabia. We must remember that Isaiah was not only a prophet to the nation of Israel, but a prophet to the nations. This spiritual nugget nestled in the interior of chapter 21 of Isaiah's expansive prophecy provides clear direction about how to make it through the night. Three principles emerged when I asked the text the question today, how do you make it through the night? Would you like to know what they are? First of all, in the text, there are the problems that trigger the night. In the immediate confines of this text, the experience of night and darkness in life and in the spiritual realm often comes couched and covered in the fabric and fibers of our misfortunes and hardships that are precipitated by our lack of faith or disobedience. The nation of Edom was experiencing difficulty and despair because they taunted and teased the Israelites during the Babylonian captivity. These descendants of Esau, near kinsmen of the nation of Israel, these descendants showed no empathy or sympathy for the plight of the Jews. By their callous words and their cruel response, they only intensified their sufferings. The night of spiritual corruption and corrosion can easily fall on us as well. When we shake an angry fist of defiance at God by our words or our deeds or by both and say, God, I don't want to do it your way. I want to do it my way. The trying experiences of life can also be channels and conduits that trigger our experience of night. What I call the deadly deeds, death, disease, divorce, despair, depression, debt, and disappointment happen to all of us. 
Nobody is exempt. It can happen to all of us and usher us into the darkness of a night. Trials and tribulations we experience that triggers night in our lives can and do serve God's purposes. You know, I connected this principle with a, with a recent reading of Daniel chapter 3, which records, and you're familiar with the story, how three Hebrew boys were thrown into the king's fiery furnace for refusing to worship the golden image which he had built. Their commitment would not subsidize condescension and conformity even when faced with the most dire of consequences. The sentence was carried out on these courageous carriers and they were bound hand and feet and thrown into a fiery furnace. But while they were in there, the king looked and he saw a divine presence in the furnace. The way the king described it is that it looks like one of the sons of God. My brothers and sisters, we never go through the night by ourselves. The prisoners were walking around in the flame. And this is what got me when I read it. I've read it many times, but this is what jumped out at me. They were unbound and they were unharmed. Unbound and unharmed. Because the very fire that was meant to take them out, to destroy them, to bind them, actually became the vehicle of their liberation. Sometimes God's got to put you through the night, put you through the flames to burn off the stuff that holds you down, that keeps you and me from going to that next level. And he burns up the things that perhaps the writer of Hebrews was talking about. Every weight and the sin that doth so easily beset us. So, so I hope you see the problems that triggers the night. But then there's the preacher that translates the night. The preacher that translates the night. This text also teaches that the preacher prophet or the prophet preacher has been endowed by God with the special capacity of translating the night seasons in our lives. The Hebrew word translated watchman in our text describes the unique role of the prophet in the spiritual economy of the nation. The word means to keep, to save, to guard, to watch over, to ward off, to protect, to save life. And this word occurs in some form 468 times in the Old Testament. The Edomites in their night They sought a word from the Lord. And they reached out to the prophet Isaiah and asked him to translate what they were experiencing. I think about our ancestors of another generation who made it through a dark night. Every family has someone like a big mama in their family line or lineage. When I said that, somebody thought about somebody. Big Mama, she came to church because she needed to hear a word from the Lord. She wasn't trying to impress nobody. She wasn't trying to win a fashion show. She she came to church. I, I know my Big Mama did because she needed to hear a word from the Lord. 
And at the little church I grew up in in Tennessee, a whole lot of big mamas, they would get with the preacher. Preacher never had to preach without an amen corner. Because they, they saw the preacher pastor as a courier divinely appointed delivering heavenly mail to their spiritual mailbox. Big Mama, she knew what night was. Watchman. We, we, we have, God has anointed us with a capacity to be able to translate the night. That's why the Lord told Ezekiel during his call, he said, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Preachers uniquely call to translate the night because he's conversant with the night. He's acquainted with the night. And you have to preach through the night. But it makes us empathetic and sympathetic to others who are going through the night. Another part of our vocational vulnerability is that we are called many times alongside others in a very up-close, personal, intimate way, and we go through night with them. And in those situations, God calls us to be translators of the night. It's kind of like the, the poet, he... He described it eloquently. I, I love this phrase. He says, ye quenchless stars so eloquently bright, untroubled centuries of the night. This was Robert Montgomery who wrote in the early 19th century. Untroubled centuries of the shadowy night. That's a great description of what preachers and pastors and the prophets of old did. We're not troubled even in the night because we know God. Yeah is on the throne. We know he won't leave us all. We are centuries, but we're not anxious centuries. We're not worried centuries. We're we're not anemic centuries. We're untroubled centuries because we've seen God work it out too many times. The problems that trigger night, the prophet that translates night But there is the promise that transcends the night. Night is not the last word in this text. And it's not the last word in our lives. The prophet ends by offering a ray of hope to the Edomites who repent and return. He tells them, and by extension, he's telling us, morning, but morning is coming. Morning always follows night, just like the calm follows the storm. Listen to the text again in the message paraphrase. The night watchman calls back, morning's coming, but for now it's still night. If you ask me again, I'll give you the same answer. If you're going through your night, I'll say morning is coming. I know it's still night now. The problem hasn't been solved. In fact, it seems like it gets worse. But morning, morning is coming. In the spiritual realm, and you see this pattern all the way through Scripture, God does not put morning first and night last. That's the way we think. We think morning, night. 
from the very beginning of the scriptures, even in Genesis, you see the pattern. After each day of creation, God said, and the evening and the morning. Because see, some of us, if we had morning first, we wouldn't appreciate morning for what it is. But when you go through your evening, when you go through your trouble, when you go through your trials, when you go through your ups and downs, when evening comes and you hang on and hold out, and early in the morning, do I have a witness here? The evening of misfortune introduced the morning of opportunity. The evening of criticism brings on the morning of appreciation. The evening of loneliness brings on the morning of companionship. The evening of persecution brings on the morning of vindication. The evening of confusion brings on the morning of understanding. The evening of sadness brings on the morning of joy. The night of privation and poverty brings on the morning of plenty and prosperity. The night of despair brings on the morning of hope. The night of sickness will bring on the morning of health and healing. And the night of discord will bring on the morning of tranquility. That's why, that's why the psalmist said, joy comes in the morning. Just remember, when you're going through your night and, and you can't see, God has night vision. When, when, when you can't see further than what's happening right now, God has night vision, and he's already over in the area of your blessing. He's already walking around in your deliverance. He's already walking around in your answered prayer. He's already in your place of healing. When all you can see sickness, God can see health. Because God has a way of working in the night. In fact, God is at God's best at night. What we see in redemptive history is this pattern over and over again. Jacob wrestled with the angel at night. Israel departed Egypt at night. God led the Israel's lights in the wilderness with the pillar of fire at night. Dew fell on the Israelite camp at night and left manna as food in the morning. King Solomon dreamed at night. Job in the midst of incomprehensible suffering sang songs of the night. At Belshazzar's palace, a head wrote on the wall at night. The will of God was revealed to Daniel in a dream at night. When Jesus was born, the shepherds watched over the flocks in the field at night. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. The soul of the rich fool was required at night. The apostles were released from prison at night. Paul had a Macedonian vision at night. In a Philippian jail, Paul and Silas sung, and the jail rocked at night. Morning is coming. There's no such thing as nightless mornings or morningless nights. You can experience night and morning at the same time. That's why weeping may endure for night, but joy but John comes in the morning time. Yeah. 
for every nightfall I've had, I can tell you about the morning that followed. For every nightfall I've experienced, I can tell you that Jesus worked it out. If you see me crying and ain't nothing sad, it's only because I'm thinking about the mornings when God looked beyond my faults and saw my every need. The darkest night that history ever saw was on Calvary. Yes, he was crucified early in the morning. Around nine o'clock, he was strung up on an old rugged cross. We celebrate what he did then. Around 12 o'clock, God showed us he's an expert at working in the night. He put goggles on the sun. He told the earth to rock and reel. Do I have a witness? And the Bible says there was darkness over all the land. It was so dark that you could cut it with a knife. But that's when the Son of God was doing his greatest work. He died. Yes, he did. The night of sin, guilt, and shame was eclipsed by the morning of unconditional love, of grace and mercy. The night of weeping was eclipsed by a morning of joy. The night of divine separation was eclipsed by the morning of an unrivaled intimacy. The night of condemnation was eclipsed by the morning of justification. And the night of death was eclipsed by a morning of resurrection. I'm so glad I can celebrate right now. I can say all right, even though it might be night, that if I hold on and hold out, morning's coming, morning's coming, morning's coming. Show enough. Says uh, they put him in a bar or tomb. Uh, there was darkness all around, uh, but he stayed there. Uh, and the morning of mornings uh, came that day. Uh, early that morning, uh, he got up. Uh, didn't he get up? Uh, is there witnesses in the house that uh, he got up? Uh, he got up. Uh, he got up. Uh, yes, he did. Uh, with all power in his hands. Uh, and let me tell you something. Uh, if you're going through a night right now, uh, I don't know what it is, uh, but you know what it is. Uh, hold on. Uh, hold on. Uh, hold on. Uh, child of God. Because uh, morning's coming. Uh, because he lived. Because he lived. Because he lived. I can face my night. Uh, because he lived. Because he You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org. 
For more information about us and to obtain resources provided by TD Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.